Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 67 of Dean Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my mimic buddy, Ben Bumhoffer. Well, hello there. I'm not going to be mimicking too much today because, well, okay, n- m- never mind. I'll be mimicking your enthusiasm because I'm just as excited as you. I'll probably be mimicking, uh, you know, maybe your your speech pattern. You know, we'll see how that goes. I'll, I'll try that. Um, and as you can tell, I am actually, uh, I, I look entirely different today than I usually do. So it's true. Yeah. Got like, green skin you, and everything. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somehow we came dressed the exact same. Yeah. Wild. I don't don't understand. It. <laughs> <laughs> you can't verify it. Uh, so uh, if you couldn't tell from that little intro, uh, we're going to be talking uh, about, well, lots of things today. But uh, specifically, we're going to be starting off with a monster fixer segment. And what better monster? to have fun with and to make more interesting to play as and against than the classic D&D monster mimics. Yes. I am actually really happy that uh, Tasha's came out because they added a couple more mimic types into uh, Dungeons and Dragons to begin with. But even more so, these are fun little things that you can really kind of pepper in anytime, anywhere, and just have some fun with them. Yeah, they're they're mimics. They mimic other things. You want to surprise your players or make them horribly paranoid. <laughs> throw in some mimics. Exactly. After that first mimic encounter, it they will never be the same. They will be a changed party uh for the more terrified most likely. Yeah. I mean, I I will say that, you know, don't make them too paranoid because then they just get paranoid about everything. Again, my party, I'm sorry that I've had changelings. I'm sorry that I made you randomly go through a portal and leave your stuff behind and you're super paranoid about a lot of stuff. But mimics do exist in my world, so I'll be nice. As they should. Yeah, exactly. As they should. Well, As I mean, they, they have come across them already, so, you know. Yeah. yeah. They're there. So... Baseline, mimics are basically shape-shifting predators, able to take the form of inanimate objects to lure creatures to their doom. A tasty, tasty doom. Uh, As the description states, in dungeons, these cunning creatures most often take the forms of doors or chests, uh, having learned that such forms attract a steady stream of prey. Uh, Mimics can alter their outward texture, um, in their altered form, they're nearly unrecognizable until their prey gets close, whereupon they sprout their pseudopods and attack. Um, so as of right now, just your base level mimic, and like Ben said, uh, Tasha's added a few different types that have a, a, a few little extras, mm-hmm. but just on the surface, uh, basically they shape change into some everyday inanimate object um they have a trait called adhesive which basically the mimic adheres to anything that it touches a huge or smaller creature adhered to the mimic is also grappled by it um and ability checks made to escape the grapple have disadvantage and so mimics have a grapple 
then they have a pseudopod attack, which just does bludgeoning damage. Mm-hmm. And then when you're next to them, they can bite you and add a little bit of acid damage. Yay. It's a little generic for something that I feel like is got such a cool premise behind mm-hmm. it. Because yeah. these are just basic the run of the mill mimics. This is the stat block. And, and like like Ben was saying, there's some there's some things uh like uh in Tosh's and Fizzbands, there's like a horn mimic. There's the like horn a giant mimic is so cool. Yeah, there's like a giant mimic. And they have like one extra thing. Yeah. They can do. Which is better. But Ben, I feel like we can do better than this. Oh, definitely. I mean, just first and foremost, you know, the, the the thing that I thought, okay, well, what would be the easiest thing to add? And that is changing the pseudopod from bludgeoning to any other type of damage that you want. Because, you know, if it's a mimic, it can turn itself into things. So why wouldn't its pseudopod be able to turn into like a sword or a javelin or, you know, a, a hammer if you wanted, you know, more than just the random flailing pseudopod going around and stuff. Um, you know, the, the idea behind it is, is they're able to change. So really lean into that and give it just, you know, something different. You know, you're, you're still doing a basic melee attack, but hey, have some have some some fun with it. Yeah. Um, other than that, of course, there's uh, something else that I thought is fun is, you know, how a lot of mimics are usually like barrels or treasure chests or something along those lines. Well, what if they actually had stuff? in them and then they just start kind of tossing it out or throwing it out or spitting things at, at uh, um, players you know give it a ranged Ooh. attack of some sort extra things to add to the illusion exactly like you know can you picture a barrel with like you know just random things just kind of sitting in there or sticking out of it or something makes sense or why does the mimic have to be a, a closed treasure chest it can be an open one with like random crap in it you know have it use the, the the spitting out gold money attack from I don't know Star Wars from BB-8 did it or something. <laughs> you know, give, give him a ranged attack. You know, add that that little extra bit in there. Yeah, add the props. Mm-hmm. Right, add the props. Um, one thing that I like to do when I introduce mimics is I like to give them some type of attack that is thematic to the object that they are. Mm -hmm. So if they're a door, I like to give them some sort of slam attack that can potentially do a different type of damage that could knock the, have a chance to knock the player prone, have a chance to knock the player back, uh, potentially into another mimic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's, there's a lot of different things you can do. And, And so if you, get in that mindset just take that mindset to whatever like the object is if it's a carriage maybe the mimic has a charge attack where it can cover uh, cover ground incredibly quickly uh potentially as like a bonus action or something like that and slam into somebody um and i'm just trying to like think through think through different things i've i've made uh mimics mimics before uh like a tavern table and chairs right 
you could have the tavern table throw chairs <laughs> at people. Talk about a, a ranged attack. Have it have it use use its surroundings if it's in a, an area that can be uh, that is populated mm-hmm. with accessories, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of different things like the 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 treasure mimic, the horde mimic that mimics an entire horde of treasure. That's like so there's cool. there's all sorts of things you could add in into something like that. Like uh a treasure whirlpool where it basically started with a giant maw sucking down everything. Mhm within that is that is standing on itself uh maybe some of the treasure is real and maybe some of the treasure is fake so now you're flailing around in this giant treasure whirlpool as things are sticking to you and this huge maw is opening up and like eyes are popping up all over the place and like you can you can do some incredibly like thematic things mm-hmm. with mimics definitely i mean just uh as an example there's a mimic chair in in candlekeep mysteries but i mean it has essentially the same exact uh, uh attacks and everything as a mimic but it just you know puts it in the shape of a chair so you know that's just the tiniest little bit of of homebrewness that you can put in there just turn it into something unexpected um one that I kind of came up with that I am super happy about that. Unfortunately, now my, my players are going to know it's something that I've said and thought about is, uh, you know what? Why can't a mimic be a suit of armor? You know, just have some sort of symbiotic relationship with, you know, the, the mimic, you know, as long as you feed it and everything. And then, you know, the armor could, oh, I don't know, cover you, help protect you, maybe heal you in some sense um have you know blades that come out of it and essentially you're talking about having like venom or carnage in your game i just had a lot of fun with that idea and i'm like oh this needs to happen now yeah legitimately dnd venom yeah like that's it's such a cool idea i absolutely love it and there's so much super cool story potential in something like that Mm mm-hmm like, exactly. why is it a suit of armor? How do you convince it not to digest you while you're inside of it? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, what sort what of is, relationship what is, the relationship? is going on? Yeah, like, why yeah. is it working for you? Why choose this type of armor? Does it cover the whole body? Does it, you know, uh, does it help with weaponry as well? Like, does it give you uh, resistance to acid because you're just used to wearing it? I mean, there's a bunch of different things that you can do with that. But Does it come with some drawbacks? Probably. Like, <laughs> like if say if if it gets hurt enough, then it becomes hard to walk in or hard to move in. If it gets mad at you for some reason, uh, can you just not move anymore, or does it start digesting you, or does it just <laughs> leave you? Yeah, yeah. What if you get into a fight with it? That would kind of suck. Uh, yeah, you I'm- just wake up one morning and you're just naked. Yeah, I mean, that happens all the time, but um, no. <laughs> you know, in an alley somewhere. It just uh, anyways, th- those are interesting nights. Um, but, you know, there's the idea of if it takes a lot of damage, is it going to start eating bits of you to heal itself? You know, there's, 
is this a, a cursed thing that was just like thrust upon you that you have no hope of, of escaping from for a while or, you know, some NPC or something like that. Like I just, like I said, just popped in my head. I'm like, this is really cool. I want to do it in my game now. And I have like 10 different story ideas like popping out of this. Yeah, no, I've, uh, I already, I already want to make, you know, that would make a super cool subclass too. Yes, it would. Where that's like a subclass for something like maybe like a fighter or something like that. Like a fighter subclass. Mm -hmm. Barbarian would actually work. Barbarian would work too. I mean, if you like want to any... lean into the Venom kind of stuff, you know, yeah, add yeah. that rage in there. Yeah, no, that uh, that would be that would be a super cool. Gosh, dang it, Ben! Now, now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Might have to make like a like a mimic fighter or barbarian subclass. That'd be super cool. Or basically a mimic. You form some sort of sim- symbiotic bond, and your mimic is your armor. Ah, that'd be amazing. What if it covers you and like is able to disguise you and change your face and stuff too? So I mean, you essentially are becoming a mimic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's good at like people, because I mean, if you're looking at inanimate objects, it might not be the best at faces. Like I can be a statue. Oh, there you go. Statue of me. (laughs) You're you're Mario from Super Mario Three in the Tanuki suit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, uh, we've, we've, we, uh, have diverged a little bit, Tiny but bit. yeah, no, uh, I think, I think that could be, that could be super cool, but yeah, again, there's tons of different ways that you can make mimics a lot more interesting just by theming them, uh, or changing them around a little bit because, is that mimics mimics don't have to be treasure chests they don't have to be doors they can literally you can literally have them be any inanimate objects mm-hmm. that you want they could be a house they could be a build like a full on building yeah they could be a ship i think there's uh, i don't remember if it's in kasha's like the the mimic world or something i i know i've seen art somewhere of this like you know, huge mimic ship. <laughs> yeah, I I think I know what you're talking about, actually. And it's a really cool picture. Yeah. So I there's there's a lot of non-traditional ways that you can use them and not necessarily even always as enemies. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're looking to spice them up from like a combat perspective or from an encounter perspective, then simply look to inspiration to what they are the objects that you are using them as to hide them and then come up with cool thematic things that could be done with a door with a treasure chest with a statue um you know with a a well (laughs) (laughs) timmy's fallen down the well yeah, except yeah. the water is actually yeah. just a whole bunch of digestive acid, and it's not deep at all. Yeah. No, there's, there's all sorts of fun stuff that you could do with that. So uh, apologies to any players that uh, are completely uh, terrified and paranoid from this episode. But, yeah, you know, no, don't, you know it's, it's going to happen. Fine. 
It's going to happen. I'm not going to throw a mimic at you every single time you walk into a room. I mean, that would just be predictable. Yeah, that'd be silly. Unless you're in Mimic World. That's always a possibility. Yeah. I think Tasha's had that, right? Was it Tasha's that had the, the like... Mimic world. I, I want to say so. I'm I'm currently kind of like scrolling through trying to find it. Or maybe it was uh, Ravenloft. Uh, it might be Ravenloft too. I like I one of the know. domains, different domains or something. One of the books has it that I don't remember off the top of my head, but that would certainly make for a very interesting. There we go. Mimic colonies. Terrifying. Yeah, mimic colonies. That's it. Yeah, yeah. It's in Tasha's. In Tasha's. Okay. Yep. That would be super terrifying. Yeah. Oh, this is so neat. This is cool stuff. Yeah. So if you have Tasha's, definitely check it out because there's a lot of great mimic inspiration in Tasha's. Oh, yeah. Uh, And lots of awesome art. This artwork right here. Like, yeah, everything is a mimic in this picture. (laughs) Like a a planter, uh, the tea kettle, the house that they're sitting in. The chairs they're sitting on. Yeah, this is great. Yep. Cool stuff. Yep. Take inspiration from the world around you. Exactly. And speaking of the world around you, that actually is a great segue into our second topic, which is map making. Yes. Uh, and, and not only map making, visualizing encounters. So let me let me kind of let me kind of set a baseline this before we before we jump in so we talked a little bit about encounter types before you know your theater of the mind where you're just explaining everything everything's kind of abstracted a little bit um just drawing it down like taking a piece of paper roughing out different things taking a dry erase board roughing out a few things or you know going full on and going I have minis and I have terrain I'm putting down. Mm-hmm. So all of those things are great. All of those things have their place uh, and they're all, they all can be very effective. However, it is nigh impossible to actually put the exact types of things in any encounter that you make. So, uh, just for example, I, if I'm doing theater of the mind and I describe a field, it's got some rocks and some trees in it. It probably has a lot more than that. Yeah. But potentially I'm not thinking of it at the time or my players haven't asked about it and triggered that in my mind to go, hmm, would that be there? It's the same with drawing something out it's the same with terrain and minis there unless unless we're talking the edgiest of edge cases you are probably not going to have a miniature for absolutely everything that is going to be on a battle map as much as you want to as much as you want to most likely there will be other objects other paraphernalia other uh things that are not necessarily shown, but could be uh, used. And so that's kind of the, the baseline for, for what we are going to, to talk about mm-hmm. uh, in this segment. And I think uh, a lot of this 
really comes down to promoting promoting a way of play where it is okay for your players to ask the questions. Oh, very promoting, much so. Promoting, promoting basically just an environment of not status quo, not what you see is what you get, but creative play. And honestly, like theater of the mind really promotes this a lot because players have to do that. Mm -hmm. They have to ask, where am I? What is here? What could I use? Can I do this? Can I not do this type thing? Because it's all in your head. But once we move to like the drawings and once we move to the battle maps with minis, a lot of times players will drop a lot of that because they kick into the what you see is what you get mode. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's on us as DMs to really promote and remind that feel free to ask about stuff. Let me know what you want to do. Let me know if you're looking for something even if you don't see it on the map. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I mean, one of the easiest things to do with this is, you know, really kind of go with a, a, a yes and mentality with some of this stuff. You know, let's say you're in an alchemist chamber or something. Um, a, a player wants to know if there's any tools lying around. Well, you're in an alchemist chamber. Of course, there's going to be some sort of tools. So, you know, you just, yes. You know, what are you looking for? What What is it that you want? Um, and then you just kind of figure out where would it be in this kind of, you know, situation where you are. If there's an overturned table, maybe they're scattered across the floor. Or um, was the person who ran this lab, you know, very neat and tiny? Is it hanging on the wall or something? And these are just really simple questions that you're able to just, you know, have an answer to just off the top of your head as soon as you want. You know, it, it really helps because you go into it creating what you think you see and you're the DM and it's your mind's eye. And as much as I love making maps, there's no possible way that I put every single thing that could potentially be in something in a map, even with like dungeon alchemist, which populates a ton of cool stuff, but it doesn't have everything. So anytime I, you know, I have a, um, a player who asks like, okay, well in this barn, is there a bridle or something? Yeah, of course you're in a barn going to happen now if they say like okay are there any i don't know stray pieces of silverware in this barn maybe not because we're in a barn you know still kind of keep it to where you, you know the location where you are but uh, for the most part this is one of the the best times to really let the your players help you kind of define and set the world because in their mind's eye, they're seeing something entirely different, no matter how much of a description you give. And they might see those tools on the wall where you didn't or, you know, think that there's got to be something in here that'll work if, if you didn't account for it. Because as DMs, believe it or not, we do a lot and keep track of a lot of things. And there's no way we can keep track of every single thing that, that there is in a room. Yes, <laughs> very, very true. And and I mean, from from the DM side, we, we have some responsibilities. And one of the biggest is making sure that we do describe enough of the location 
to allow our players to extrapolate info from there. Like, if I set a battle map down and it looks like a tavern area, or maybe they're in a tavern area, I could say, we're in a tavern. That's somewhat descriptive. Then the, usually the cogs will, the wheels will start turning mm-hmm. and people go, okay, tavern. There's probably tables, chairs, drinks, plates, silverware, um, you know, potentially uh, another floor for rooms, uh, probably patrons around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can do more than that. We can say, uh, this is a tavern. It is run down. There are broken things uh, in several places. There are torches along the walls. There is, um, I know, I'm trying to come up with all this off the top of my head. There are uh, three patrons in the corner that look like uh, big brutes. Um, there is a fully stocked bar with a bunch of glass bottles. So mm-hmm. now we have tavern. Expand, which we tavern. can get the assumption from, but now the player knows, okay, this is tavern. Plus I have a lot of these either generic or specific things around me that I could potentially do something with if I wanted to. So as, as DMS, it's really good to, expand upon just the baseline types. It's just like, uh, like we're fighting in a field. Okay. What kind of field is it? Well, there's a big rock formation over to the side. It's a field with uh, grass. That's about waist high. Uh, there are several trees that intersperse, but no like real clumps of them. There are bushes, there are rocks, it's a, you know, cloudy day. And so all of that not only lends to your picture of how you're seeing this, mm-hmm. but I just gave several different player options as well, more so than we are in a field. Exactly. And even from that point, too, even though you've given more information, still be ready to answer questions and, you know, populate it with, you know, even more things that your players might come across as well. It's like, yeah, I'm in a field. Um, is there, gosh, I'm going to take this in a gross way. Is there uh, any, you know, animal poop on the ground? I just wanted to really offend this noble who's riding through and, and throw some at him or something like that. You know, um, is there a trail cutting through the field at all? Um, is there a, a maybe a, a source of water, like a big puddle or, or some damp ground mud versus, you know, just a, a nice dry you know, flat area of terrain. Um, what kind of flowers are growing? You know, are there any purple ones? Sure. Why not? You know, just, you know, keep populating and adding layer upon layer as everybody just kind of, you know, looks at this and, and answer the questions as they come. It It's one of the, the funnest things that you can do to, you know, give someone just the tiniest little gift of, Oh, the thing they asked for. Yeah. It's totally in this field. You don't yeah. know what they're going to do with it, but you know what? They asked for it. It's there in their mind. Yeah. And and while you're doing a lot of this stuff, make sure you vary your play areas. Mm-hmm. Like you can do you can do a lot with tavern layouts. You can do a lot with cities. 
and alleys and even open fields. <laughs> Although there's only so much you can do with open fields, probably don't do too much in the way of open fields uh, too often, but make areas that can play to players strengths mm-hmm. or that allow them to strategize the less stuff there is most likely the less interesting the combat is going to be. Yes. A flat open field will be much less interesting combat than a field with a river that is running through it and a large rock formation over on the side that is 20 or 25 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much more that the players can do with that space now and think about rather than just we're in an open field. Yeah, especially if you have ranged opponents that they're going up with. I know that when there's, you know, kind of melee versus melee, it's a little hard to really, you know, maneuver and, and run around and do a lot during combat. But as soon as you throw in some sort of range, whether it's a caster or, you know, an archer or a crossbow person or heck, even just someone throwing javelins or something, you know, have them duck behind cover just so that your players can as well. I mean, look, a bonus action for a rogue is great if they can hide, but they need a place to actually hide. Otherwise, it's not going to work out too well for them. Um, I I just love the idea of, you know, like a, a big rock formation and you have enemies who are running around the other side trying to flank without, you know, your players knowing or something. Um you know, always give, you know, trees or if you're inside pillars or something just so that you can have cover uh, as a spellcaster myself in, in certain times. I like to be able to be able to like pop out, fire my little magic missiles, pop back behind cover because I'm a, a really squishy wizard and I don't want to die. So, you know, I always look for those opportunities or things to do. And if the world is you know populated with whatever you also have you know different improvised weapons different things that you can um you know kind of set off to be like environmental hazards to other things uh i mean gosh one of the the, the great things about video games is when you realize oh if i shoot that thing over there it's going to make things fall on the enemies and i don't even have to fight them you know just like have stuff set up like that too it it gives the world a lived in feel and even more so just you know Lots of options, which is what I think a lot of people really enjoy about Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, and you bring up a really good point, too. One of the best ways a DM can encourage and inspire this type of behavior is have your enemies that you are playing, or the enemies that the players are fighting against, do some of this stuff. Have them use the terrain to their advantage have them trigger environmental hazards use them to let them the the players know especially if they're new players that the play space is open for use and open to be manipulated and so if you the dm start really taking advantage of that not just i rolled a hit i hit i move up to you i rolled a hit i hit I shoot you, but the enemies are doing wild stuff as well. That will usually inspire the players to start thinking outside of the box and go, well, if the enemies can do that, can I do that too? Mm -hmm. And then you as the DM can go, heck yeah, you can. At least you can certainly try. (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, you're looking at things like from very simple, like flanking to I'm going to run and hide every single time it's my turn. You know, there, there's a lot of just random stuff that you get to do that can be a lot of fun. Like, oh, gosh, if you're on the road, drive the carriage through the battle. You know, what's going to happen with that? Who knows? Maybe let their horses go or something like that or or take them out before they're able to jump on the horses and, and flee. You know, just everything is interactive in Dungeons and Dragons. So don't let that stop if you don't have something on the map that could be used. Throw it in right there. Yeah, like I've got I've got some great examples um, from some of the some of my sessions I had recently. Um, so one of the best things, and we will actually talk about this a little bit. Um, there are different programs, uh, and there are different ways to make battle maps. Mm-hmm. But sometimes uh, there are a ton of different map makers that you can go and either buy or. Uh, purchase maps from or they release them for free and a lot of times as a dm you're pre- you're preparing so much stuff a lot of times i'll go and search for a map so i don't have to spend the time to make it myself it might not be perfect it might not be exactly what i envisioned but it is fast and it is easy yes to do and sometimes it allows me to support somebody else a lot of times with those types of maps, there will be all sorts of stuff on them. Sometimes that you don't realize, but then your players do. Mm-hmm. So like uh, there is one map that I used. Uh, it was just like a uh, the entrance to a mine. It had some mine tracks. Um, it had some, you know, a few different terrain variations and whatnot. Uh, but during the course of play, when my players were on that map, they fixated in on this mine cart that I totally wasn't even thinking about, didn't put in myself. Mm-hmm. And they started talking about it. And I'm like, oh, there's a mine cart there. And so they ended up using this mine cart to rush down the tracks. Not something that I necessarily thought about, but because I used a map made by someone else, it it just happened to have this cool thing. And so sometimes you can get little unexpected surprises like that yeah. just by using, you know, other people's maps, uh, maybe that have more time than you and have populated and really uh, fleshed out whatever specific area you're you're wanting to be. Exactly. Now, um, I, I've talked about uh, using Incarnate before on the show. I absolutely love it. It is a great map making tool. If you're doing battle maps, they've got tons of stuff that you can add for, you know, like just little nice finishing touches here and there and everything. Some of that stuff is like so, so, so many levels past what I'm going to be doing for a battle map. So yeah, like Ryan said, if you've got the time, do it, have fun, throw, throw the world and the kitchen sink into this one map. But if you don't, there's nothing wrong with finding someone else's maps that they've made, that they put out there that you can, like Ryan said, buy or, or, or you know, download, whatever, however you're able to do it. Um, I mentioned earlier, Dungeon Alchemist, I've started using that a whole bunch and I've made the first floor of a castle 
And it, there's a lot of little intricate details and stuff that are populated in there. And I'm like, this is really cool. Who knows if any of that's going to be used or touched at all. But I love the fact that it's there so that, you know, some sort of cool interaction might happen because my player sees something like that. And again, populate with what you have. Use your imagination for what's not there and be open to suggestions and, uh, you know, be flexible with with what's around the environment. I think that's that's key is be flexible, mm-hmm. right? That's that's honestly that's like one of the number one things for just DMing in general. Exactly, be flexible. Um, and I think that segues again really well into uh, our community content shoutouts. Uh, the first being uh, Lost Atlas. Yes. And so this is an incredibly cool site. Uh, it's LostAtlas.co. And it is basically a battle map encounter map search engine with over 5,000 free maps that you can search for with different filters and then download. It gives you links to uh, the, the various sites they're hosted on to download them. And it is absolutely incredible. Um, I've already found some super cool maps here. And not only that, uh, it's a great site for finding map creators because it links you to the actual map makers uh, sites if they have a Patreon or if they have some sort of uh, other website that they are giving these away on or selling them or potentially there's a free version of one and then they made several variations if you if you buy it or something like that. But this is a great way not only to find maps but map makers. Uh, and it, this thing is so helpful, especially if you're lacking in time and you are a uh, very virtual tabletop based, uh, like with Albear or roll 20 or foundry or something like that. This is a great way to find maps that will fit roughly what's in your head. You can throw into your virtual tabletop of choice and play on. Yeah, this is absolutely fantastic. There's a lot of really cool stuff in here. And uh, I mean, like I said, I just made a castle. But if I do the castle only search, there's a ton on here that I'm like, that might might be better. Maybe I'll scrap the couple hours of work I did and just take one of these instead. <laughs> but, uh, you know, eh, we'll see. But um, overall, I mean, there's there's so much here and I highly recommend just, just at least just to take a look. Because you're going to be able to find something that you can use. Hands down. Very, very well worth it. So we will have a link to that, of course, in the show notes on dndiscussions.com, as well as uh, links to the things Ben mentioned, Dungeon Alchemist, uh, which we mentioned before, and Incarnate, which is also a wonderful map making tool that both of us use. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Um, and then finally... Uh, just in regards to monsters, uh, if you're looking for more monsters, the DMs Guild is actually having a Monsters of the Guildverse sale right now with many of the uh, third party DMs Guild monster books being up to 30% off. There is a massive selection that is on sale right now. As of recording, uh, the sale has got 
roughly 11 and a half days left. Uh, it'll be about half that by the time this episode actually comes out, but there will still be several days uh, from when this episode drops on Monday to go check that sale out if you're interested in picking up some monster books or some discounted stuff. So there will be a link in the show notes to that as well. Uh, I've already picked one up because I love monster books. So <laughs> yay, more selection. Definitely. It's always, always good. Uh, but yeah, check that out if you're interested. All right. Gosh, it, it's that time again, Ryan. It's that time again. Uh, do you do you want to go first? We got a we got a little bit of time before we finish up, so yeah, let's <laughs> let's talk about uh, what's going on in our games, Ben. Yeah, I'll I'll jump ahead. I mean, as is tradition for the most part. Um, so if you remember last time, the my my party had gone through and they had defeated uh, some warriors and, and this wizard who was like uh, camouflaging their identities. They they looked human and then he switched spells and then they turned into dragonborn. Um, which I still think is the greatest thing where one of my players was like, why is this dude doing lightning breath? I just loved it anyways. So, uh, they captured the wizard, brought him back to town. Then they ended up, uh, you know, just kind of talking and trying to figure out, okay, well, what, what should we do? What should we ask him? And it was a, a, a lot of, uh, kind of discussion that session of the players just kind of trying to figure out what's going on in the world and, you know, why, the king wasn't supposed to be attacked. Why, you know, this whole thing is happening. What's going on with the the queen's um, advisor who, you know, has a past with with the sorcerer and all the stuff that's kind of going around. So the next morning they ended up going to the the dungeon where this guy was being held, questioned him for a bit and, you know, did, did a little uh, aggressive influencing to get him to talk. Um, he, he, you know, just went away with a slap and a broken finger. And that was enough intimidation from the paladin to get him to just kind of answer any questions that they had. Um, so here's the thing. He doesn't know who hired the whole group to do stuff. One of the, the dragonborn who had died, it was the one who gave all the information. So it's like, okay, cool. But they found out a little bit more about what was going on. And then as they were kind of talking about it, I, I I saw the light bulb flicker a little bit over someone's head. Like they're getting so close and they're talking about like what's going on in the town. And I'm, I'm just so super proud that one they're paying attention and like actually caring about the story and everything that's going on. But the fact that they're getting very close to what's going to happen or why all this is happening is pretty fantastic. Um, according to, to the, the guy that they kidnapped, the, this trade summon that's going to be happening soon, they want it to happen, but for it to ultimately fail. They don't know why yet. And a lot of the pieces are on the, on the board right now. They just haven't put everything together. And I'm just loving this. It's a, it's a nice little mystery that's going through. And, uh, you know, we're playing again in uh, see a week from Saturday. So they're going to be able to uh, hopefully figure out some more. Um, considering there's going to be a, a four day kind of time, time jump where they're able to kind of go and, you know, do some stuff, a little bit of downtime. That's when the next, uh, delegation from another country is going to be coming into play. So they'll get some more information. We'll see what happens with that. And I'm just super excited at how like 
into it everyone seems to be. Good. That's awesome. Love it. Yeah. And then the trade summit itself. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and the thing is, is who knows if they're going to get all this figured out before the summit. If that happens, then so much is going to be happening and going on Um, and stuff. I'm, I'm just. Maybe they'll end up not figuring it out and have to find out at the summit. (laughs) I know exactly. Like this whole thing has been leading up to this like dinner slash dance slash kind of party you know, that's been happening the night before the summit starts. And like, I've been looking forward to that gathering. Cause it's going to be just a lot of fun anyway, but at any sort of get together like that, there's all these opportunities for shenanigans, which I am super excited for on my part and on their part. So if they, you know, figure stuff out before then, then it's just going to be a blast just to go through having a party. If they don't, then we're going to see some serious crap go down because who knows what's going to happen there. And just like overall, it like the, the story is in a really good spot right now where it's like anything can happen. And I am so excited to keep this going. That's awesome. But also probably from a DM perspective, a little bit nerve wracking on the I don't know what they're going to do. Oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> and I mean, now don't tell my players this, but the last session no idea whatsoever what was going to happen. So um, I, I went through and I, I put together a lot of different things. Just one, in case they cracked what was going to happen. So the, that's all set and ready to be played out for when stuff happens. And it's able to be you know altered and changed as time goes on and all this stuff. But yeah, I, I wasn't sure what was exactly going to happen. But it's it's really coming together and it's really cool. Like... I know political intrigue isn't some people's game and it usually isn't mine, but in this instance, I am loving it. We need to, we need to do an episode on political intrigue. I'm so bad at it, but apparently I'm we doing will, okay. <laughs> we are, we are, we are going to get a guest for that one. Yes. Yes, we are. We're going to get a guest for that one. Uh, but I want to get better. Yes, me too. Better. Me too. I mean, because a lot of my second campaign revolves around that type of stuff. It's not super like heavy into it yet. Yeah. But it probably will be. Yeah. And the thing that I'm realizing is that the easiest way to kind of get some of this to worked out and stuff is to really dig in and figure out what the motivations are of like the different parties. Like, you know, just the, the bare minimum of this is what they want. This is what they're scared of, you know. Like, like you do with like a normal NPC, but, exactly. but realize that the decisions and the things that they want and everything just extend out and affect so much more. And that's kind of where I'm working with this at more of a macro level on, on everything. And it seems to be working. Okay. So yeah, good. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited good. about this. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's awesome. I'm very excited to see how that will turn out. Oh yeah, definitely. So uh, what about you though? I mean, uh, were you able to, to play both uh, campaigns or just the one? So I had my first campaign last Saturday and I've got my second one coming up this Friday. Okay. <clears throat> uh, so my, my first one, uh, it was, it was a very good session. Um, 
I got to dump a whole lot of lore <laughs> <That's always fun. laughs> on one of my players who knew nothing about their past. And then, of course, this guy drops out of the shadow portal with a knife in his back um, and they they all freak out and uh, hurriedly try and heal him. And uh, our, our cleric uses for the very first time ever a greater restoration to bring this guy out of whatever Ooh. poison had completely like incapacitated him and so that was that was super cool um and then they got a they got to question him and started to find out a whole lot more that uh one of our players is the daughter kind of almost illegitimate daughter uh of this mortal human and this shadow fell denizen who through a series of very uh unusual circumstances fell in love and had a kid turns out grandma wasn't a huge fan of that <laughs> grandma grandma being uh a uh ruler of a large section of the shadow fell nice wasn't super happy with that. So they basically had to hide the kid away and they ended up doing it on the prime material plane. But now, uh, mom basically was able to, uh, devise a way and through some, somehow was able to get her steward person out to go find her daughter because dad is still being held in prison Oh, in the shadow fell as basically a warning and a, you know, like I have this power over you. Yeah. You know, you better listen to me type type thing. Cause I know you love him sort of, sort of thing. So it's, uh, so that, that was a lot. That was a lot to drop, <laughs> drop on one of my players. Just a bit. <laughs> So and so now my players are like super trying to do research on the Shadowfell and trying to like, oh, crap, are we going to go? Are we going to go? Are we going to have to go? Are we going to have to are we going to go rescue? Try and rescue your parents. <laughs> and so uh, it's it's been it's been a lot of fun being able to drop a lot of lore and a lot of cool stuff uh, that may be like Shadowfell specific stuff that might be just for my world. Yeah. Um, and, and that type of thing. Uh, so that session basically ended with them trying spiriting this dude away to a safe house because they found, uh, as they were going, as the cleric was going out to do some research one day, uh, his perception check was just high enough to notice large paw prints in the stone. Ooh, Turns out that there are these things called Shadowfell Hounds, and they only leave footprints in stone. Oh no! Something is haunting this guy. Something is chasing <laughs> him. Uh, there's a good reason he has a knife in. He had a knife in his back when he dropped out, uh, and so half the party is in brought him to this safe house uh that the guild they work for mm -hmm. owns they were able to get get in the safe house the problem is the other two who had gone to do research at the big arcane conservatory in elathar which is my giant 
giant capital city uh and go go to the the library they're still several hours away and at the end of the session around you know 1 a.m around the time close to the time the second watch of the night would be initiated Mm -hmm. howls were heard in the night so it will be very interesting to see if uh whatever is tracking them finds them before their companions okay get back very cool very very cool it's going to be very a very tense interesting (laughs) intense next session i am sure of it just a touch and and they will get their first taste probably maybe of uh Shadowfell denizens, which are nothing to be messed with. Yeah, I would, I would think so. Yeah. Uh, the second campaign uh, did well. They had their huge encounter in the inner sanctum, basically the mines of this young sapphire dragon in its its lair. It was caught. Uh, they ended up attacking the foreman. Uh, our druid turned into a roctopus. <laughs> Didn't know that existed because there's like a thing of water ringing the uh, inner place in this in the sapphire sanctum. Turned into a roctopus, uh, which is just a big old octopus that's made out of rock, <laughs> and got these cool tentacle attacks. Uh, there are these giant like drilling machines that the foremen use to attack. That is the huge like drills on them. And so the Roctopus was fighting a drill and the monk ran up the Roctopus tentacles and punched the arms off of one of these like drilling construct. It was, it was pretty epic. Like the the whole fight, the whole fight was amazing. Uh, I was was super happy with how that turned out and everyone got to do a lot of cool stuff. So they they made it they they freed the dragon uh they made a friend which right now they're kind of in that we should make friends <laughs> process and so now they're going to be heading to uh a different dragon's lair crystal dragon's lair to try and get some information uh because they believe that this crystal dragon that the uh sapphire dragon had mentioned uh is much older than it and it potentially is the crystal whelplings that they have with them's father. Oh, that's cool. So, so they were kind of wanting to bring her back to her, her lair to her family anyways. Yeah. And so, uh, I, I got to drop uh, a bunch of world lore that the Sapphire dragon knew and probably will be able to do more, uh, this coming session about how there was this big, like purge of natural magics uh, and druids druids, at least on this continent don't exist anymore. So the Sapphire dragon was super surprised when he saw our, our druid, like, who are you? How did you get here? How did you survive the purge? Um, And so it is, it is very uh, much uh, only arcane focused now. And so, 
I got to drop a little bit of lore about that. So that was that was fun. That's very but, cool. Uh, yeah, we'll get, we'll see how we'll see how that one goes. Uh, I've been I've been having a blast with both of them. Uh, one is one is uh, that one is more now very like world focused, mm-hmm. very like revealing the world and getting to know the world and factions and stuff. Whereas my first campaign has now become much more player focused in yeah. a lot of ways. Oh, that's really cool, though. I like that. Yeah, it's fun. It's been it's been good variety and uh, it's it's been very enjoyable. Well, good. Well, everyone, that's it. That's a wrap on episode six. Can you believe we've done 67 episodes? No, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of episodes. That's a lot of talking. That's a lot of talking. Who wants to listen to us for that long? I don't know. But those of you who are, thank you. We appreciate you very much. So, actually. Yeah. And if this is someone's first time, Ben, why don't you tell them where we can be reached and where they can find the other 66 episodes? You bet. If this is your first time or if you get to this point in every single episode and you just like to hear me spout off information, well, I've got a treat for you. Uh, You can find every other episode we have ever done on DN Discussions uh, pretty much on uh, wherever, you know, you're listening to this, uh, you know, on your podcast player of choice. They're all out there ready for your consumption. Now, if you want to uh, comment, want to tell us, uh, you know, some stories about what's going on in your home campaign or, you know, some cool ideas that you have for mimics, go ahead and email us. Send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com or reach out on Twitter. We are at dndiscussions. Now, if for some reason you're like, I don't trust that Ben guy with my idea. I only want to talk to Ryan. Well, guess what? Ryan's on Twitter. You can reach him at TBKZord. And vice versa, if you trust me and not Ryan, you can find me. I'm at Ben Bumhofer. Now, if you're listening to this and you're like, gosh, it'd be cool to, to, you know, hear them play a game. Well, I have news for you. You can listen to our persistent ongoing campaign, Plus Five to Hit. That's right. Uh, right now, we are going through Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Some some stuff happened, and it's opening the doorways to really bad stuff happening. So boy, boy, did it! <laughs> yes. So uh, yeah, check out the newest episode of Plus Five to Hit. It's uh, probably up already. If it's uh, not, it should be soon. But uh, yeah, we're having a lot of fun with that one. Um, but yeah, you can check that out wherever podcasts are as well. Um, so with that, everybody, you know, thank you for listening. It's always a pleasure talking to Ryan, which I mean, I'm talking to you right now. I don't know why I'm speaking about you like That's you're not true. here. Um, always a pleasure talking Hi. to you about Dungeons and Dragons. I have fun with it. And everybody, thank you again for listening. And until next time, be good to each other. See you soon. Take care. We'll see you soon. Take care. See, I mimicked. Are you mimicking? Yes. What a great way to close the episode out.